0: Good morning everybody. Welcome to the Community Church. So glad you're here. If you're able to just stand with us, we're going to spend some time worshiping through the
1: Good morning, good morning church. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. My name is Nicole Pearson and I'm on the board of trustees here. We just want to uh, welcome you and thank you for being here to worship with us today. Our mission here at La Jolla Community Church is to equip everyday people to walk with Jesus every day. And we can do that better when we're connected with you. So I want to draw your attention to our connection card. And just let us know that you're here today, whether it's your first time or you call this church home, we'd love to just know that you're here. You'll also see that there's a prayer request portion of that, and we're a church rooted in prayer. We have a prayer team, and our church staff prays for these prayer requests every week as well. So no matter how large or small the prayer request, it would just be our honor to pray for you. So I'm going to give you just a few seconds right now to just fill that out. Let us know you're here and write any prayer requests that you have. Great, thanks. The ushers will pick those up later in the service. I also want to draw your attention to the online prayer request. If something comes up during the week and you need immediate prayer, feel free to uh, go to our website and put that in there, and we'll go ahead and pray for you. So now for some announcements. Next Friday is the Harvest Festival. If you've never been to our Harvest Festival, it's one of our biggest outreaches. We had about 1,100 people last year think candy and crafts and bounce houses. We're even having a petting zoo this year. So it's going to be really exciting, but we need your help to pull it off. So we need 60 to 70 people to help us Be out there manning the booths, helping us set up, tear down. You can dress up in your own costume. It's so fun. So you'll see out there is a table where we're collecting candy and also is the sign-up sheet. So you can commit today if you're able or you can do that online or you can check the box on your Connect card and let us know that you're willing to help. So that would be amazing. Love to see you out there. And also, ladies, I hope you have marked your calendars for November 10th. It's gonna be our stories event. We're so excited to have this. I know Lynn Allen Byros and her team have been working really hard to pull together women of La Jolla Community Church to share how God is working in their lives. So it's a great time of connection and it's gonna be um, in the morning, we'll have a breakfast and a nice healthy lunch available. And it is $25 and that helps forward all of the women's programs going in the end of this year and also next year. We do have childcare, so don't let that be a hindrance to you. It's $5 for childcare, and we have scholarships available as well. So if you have questions about that or want to sign up, there's the table outside. And I know that Lynn would be happy to help you get signed up for that. And then our last uh, thing coming up is our community dinners. And these are a wonderful time for us to just connect with one another outside of church. We believe that Jesus has called us to live in community, and that's why we're doing these dinners because what better way to connect than over a meal. So we have different members of LJCC who are opening up their homes to host, so everybody is invited. Literally, we hope that everybody can attend one of these. Some will be larger, some will be smaller and more intimate, but we have a sign-up form for that as well outside, and they're starting, I believe, on the 26th, so it's coming up pretty quickly, and they're just gonna be ongoing. So if you would like to host, We would love to have you um, be a host as well, so Ian can help coordinate that. Just email him and let him know that you're interested in being a host. And that's that's all for me. Welcome, Dominic.
0: Thank you. Nicole, wasn't she great? (laughs) Well, if you have signed up to our newsletters or you get our emails regularly, you would have seen a letter that came from me in your inbox on Thursday. Anybody open that by any chance? Okay, it's just a survey, good. Um, I'm updating you on some great news that we've been in the search process for the last four months of just transitioning in our, in our youth department. And I'm pleased to tell you that after four months of searching, over 25 candidates that actually were knowing what they applied for and capable of doing the job, uh, we found our next youth director, and so we're really excited to announce that Ryan Sylvia is coming to us from a, a church called Faith Community in San Diego. He will be starting on November 4th, and he's going to be leading a combo junior high and high school program. And he's just a wonderful gentleman. You'll get to see him. He's a big, tall guy. You'll see him at Harvest Festival. We won't let you know what he looks like unless you've Googled him or Facebooked him already, and then you already know. Um, but we just want to let you know that he's coming. We're so thankful. For me, on behalf of the staff and myself, I just want to say thank you so much for being such a great church. You have been coming and being faithful to pray for us and support us. Many times I felt like it was Moses and you were holding up my arms just helping the battle go through. And uh, thank you for checking in on me and the staff and praying for us, supporting us, gift cards, just hugs, just letting us know that you're with us. You're an amazing church. And thank you to all of you who, who also just said, you know what? I'm all in, I'm stepping up. I don't know what I can do with the junior higher, but I'll try. And so you did, you brought food, you opened up your homes, you did slumber parties with kids, and you taught and you, you brought tons of tacos. Thank you, Pearson family. I never had so much Taco Bell in my life. It was incredible. And just so many of you doing that, even the Surf family who's up now leading junior high and high school, coming out of comfort zone and leading because you care about our church, you care about the next generation of the church. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Come back on November 4th. I encourage you to just meet Ryan. We're going to be praying for him and installing him in the service here. And so just we're really excited. I'm going to go take a nap, but thank you for being here. It's been awesome. Uh, so thank you. We're going to continue in our series now, Embrace Perseverance, and uh, a man and a family that wears many hats and has many touch points in our congregation. Uh, would you welcome Greg Eller?
2: It's always a privilege to be with you in this capacity. Um, we're in a series called Embrace. It's a four-week series that started with grace uh, last week on joy, and then today, perseverance. Yay, right? <laughs> perseverance. And then next week, hope. So uh, it's, it's all in there. Um, let's frame a few things. First of all, <clears throat> the thing that we're going to assume today is that every single person in this room and every single person in your life suffers from something that's just a given in a fallen world we all suffer from something and we live in a world where the systems and the thoughts and just everybody gets out of bed needing to endure something and some of you i would recognize that some of us are in acute seasons of suffering where it seems very heavy or it seems very difficult right now Others have maybe gone through seasons like that, and maybe things are a little lighter. It's not quite as heavy. But one thing we all know is that every person in this room and every person that we meet is suffering from something. Well, we all suffer from, but as God guides us and matures us, we learn to suffer with others. And there may be fewer of us that are you know, in that space, and we're all st- striving to grow in that way, but we, all su- we want to learn to suffer with others but there's only one who suffered for us. And that's our focus today. Last week, there was a profound message by Steve Haas on joy. If you haven't seen it, um, please go online and uh, watch it. And he ended with this image um, from Dances with Wolves. I just had to have it put it back up there to trigger your memory. Um, and, and maybe to, uh, invite you to, um, to watch, to watch that video, uh, from last week. The point, part of the point of this, this, uh, picture is there is this relinquishment. There's this letting go in that moment. And that's what we want to start with today as we look at perseverance. Perseverance is actually partly a letting go so that we can embrace what God has for us. We cannot embrace what God has for us if we're holding on to other things. And so today, as we walk into these passages, as we look and consider some of the stories and some of the context of what we're going to see today, ask God to show you what he wants you to let go of and what he wants you to embrace. Actually, let me pray for us. Jesus, I, I do pray that you will meet us here through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will show us the things that you are asking us, inviting us to relinquish to you so that we can embrace that which you have for us today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word does not return to you void. We thank you that your word accomplishes uh, what it is meant to accomplish in our hearts because of the Holy Spirit. And so we offer ourselves to you in a disposition of receptivity to what you have to say. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear that we might respond um, in faithfulness and fidelity to you. Amen. So yes, there's this letting go and there's this embracing. There are two passages we're going to look at today. Hebrews chapter 12, just a few verses. Romans chapter uh, 5, just several verses. You may notice that these passages are actually the exact same passages as last week. That was not planned, at least by me. I had already chosen these weeks before I heard the, the sermon last week, of course. So I think someone else may have been up to this. There might be some more pieces about how perseverance and joy fit together, and I think God has chosen uh, these passages for us as a congregation as we look at them today. So the first passage is Hebrews chapter 12, and I've said this before, um, but Hebrews chapter 12 actually comes right after Hebrews chapter 11. Um, (laughs) But the thing that's important about that is Hebrews chapter 11 is all about this great, incredible history of faithful people. You know, we might say, you know, fathers of the faith or what have you, whether it's Moses or uh, what, whether it's um, Abraham, all of these people, Joshua, are listed kind of like this Hall of Fame of faithfulness. And when you hear faithfulness, don't think perfection. You don't have to look too deep into Moses's life, or Abraham's life, or even Joshua's life to know that these were in, not perfect people, right? This is about this is about staying with God, right? And so there's this incredible history of faithfulness. And the writer of Hebrews, who of course is writing to the Jewish believers. Of his day is framing that. And he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There's so much in just these few verses, maybe they're familiar to you, but that's why he's saying here, therefore, he's saying in light of this great cloud of witnesses, if you think of that whole group as not just being something to kind of remember distant in the past, but almost like a cheering section in the stands of your life that's marked out for you, this race that's marked out for you. You have a whole group of people who are saying, um, continue, stay in the game. These are people who are not perfect. And he says in the midst of this, throw off everything that, <clears throat> that hinders and the, the sin that so easily entangles. And the things that hinder us as we seek to stay with God, sometimes are things like false beliefs. Sometimes it's pain from our own stories or past. A lot of times it's fears or lies that we buy into, these things that distract us. But I think sometimes more often than not, it's the good things that can keep us from the best thing. It's the things that we place our hearts on that are are important. Things like career or health or family, these are good things, but sometimes they get sneak in and they become the main thing for us. And when that becomes the main circumstance for us, we become prey and become vulnerable uh, to our response to suffering. Because if you haven't noticed yet in your life, things don't always go to plan, right? Things don't always go to plan. I think Dom had said at the earlier service, You know, we, had, we thought God's timing might be a little sooner for this youth director, and he had a different timing. He had a better timing. He had a better plan, but in the moment, sometimes uh, that's really difficult. That's why Jesus says, seek first God's kingdom and his right relatedness, because when we're centered in that way, then we're able to respond uh, through perseverance to the suffering that comes. And so Hebrews, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, "'Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us.'" What is the the race marked out for us? The race marked out for us is the with God life, a life with God. Eternal life starts now. Abundant life in Christ starts now. It doesn't end when we die, but it starts now. And so perseverance is staying in the race. This, the Greek word for perseverance is the word, it's the same root word for remain. Remember Jesus when he was with his disciples in the upper room and he says, remain in me and let my word remain in you and you'll bear much fruit. And then he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. That same word for remain or stay is this word for perseverance. Hupomone is what it's called or what, it was what the word is. So what does it mean to persevere? Simply, it means to stay in the game. You're staying in the game. Perseverance means constancy. Of course, it means endurance, patience, steadfastness. Perseverance is this incredible resilience to remain and to stay, to continue to engage with God. And we have a Savior who not only teaches us to do that, but did that. If you remember, in the upper room, he had said to his disciples, remain in me, let my words remain in you. And that very night, he went down from the upper room across the Kidron Valley at the base of the Mount of Olives in this place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And you remember how that went. He was so distressed, he did not do it alone. He said, well, he did not want to do it alone. He said to his disciples, come, pray with me, be with me. We know what happened with them. They fell asleep. But Jesus remained. He persevered. He stayed and he was honest with the father and said, I don't want this race. I don't want this course. I don't want this route. I do not want GPS recalculating. And the father said, no. And Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. He resolved to persevere, to remain in in the course that the father wanted him to take in that moment. And he did to the point of going to that, which is a beautiful, beautiful piece in front of the sanctuary. But if you were in the first century, let's be reminded, if you're in the first century and you see that, what comes to mind? Death. What comes to mind? Torture, tyranny, fear, pain, and suffering. This is the most gruesome torture instrument any regime is ever put together. And isn't it like God to take the worst that humans can do and make it the greatest symbol of hope? Hallelujah. Not only is Jesus not on the cross, he is raised. And so it's a symbol that reminds us that no matter what evil wants to bring, there is victory on the other side. And so Jesus is not only the power, but he's the example for us. He is the one who's the ultimate perseverer, if you will. The one who stayed in the game. And that's why Hebrews, in verse 2, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, right? The author and perfecter of our faith. We understand this idea of fixing, right? Like putting your eyes on something, like honing in and really like laser-like focus. And that makes sense. I was surprised when I looked up the word for fix, your eyes on, on Jesus. It literally means to look away from everything else. That's a different perspective. There's gonna be a whole bunch, in the midst of suffering especially, that's gonna vie for your attention and for your allegiance. That's what happens to me, that's what happens to all of us. This fixing is looking away from those things, not as being completely unimportant, but not being the mainstay of what our focus and what our energy is. Jesus says that he is the author and completer of our faith. He's the originator and the perfecter. This idea of perfection doesn't mean just without error, it means literally bringing to completion, bringing to maturity his work in our lives. We seek to be a remaining people, a people who stay in the game. And then he goes on, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That word endure is the same word for persevere. Do you recognize that part of the joy for Jesus in enduring the cross is you. Part of the joy for Jesus as he's got the long game in mind and chooses to stay is us and the world. Despite all of the shame, all of the sin that he was taking upon his very body, he says, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Part of the joy is you in me. And when suffering is intense, evil shows up and starts sowing lies, saying you're disqualified, your sin is too bad, God is not here, he doesn't have your back, it's never gonna end. And just sowing seeds of doubt and despair. But Jesus endures the cross and part of the joy is he knows that in doing so, he's gonna help us endure as well. Not only so, but he scorns its shame. He literally looks down and and just thinks little of the shame that's upon him. And from that shame, he comes and is lifted up and it says he sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. What is the right hand of the throne of God? That's a pretty cool place, (laughs) right? I mean, that that is where all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus because of his relationship with the Father and because of his faithfulness. Right? Do you remember um, <clears throat> when the, the sons of thunder, James and John Are like battling for like a place with Jesus And then like mom comes along Oh mom Right, she comes along and says Hey Jesus, you know, could you give one the right hand Give one the left hand And Jesus like, man, you just do not understand what you're talking about Number one That's not how my kingdom works, right Jesus has, it sits at the right hand of the <laughs> throne of God That means he is the one when he says at the end of Matthew All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Jesus' authority is in who he is, in complete integrity, but it also comes in part because of his endurance, because of his perseverance, because his faithfulness to remain in the midst of it all. And so in verse three, the writer says, consider him, Jesus, who endured, again, same word, three times, same word, who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not what? Grow weary or lose heart. You see, growing weary in the sense of I can't do this anymore, I'm not in this game, and losing heart, meaning I just have nothing left, there's nothing wrong getting to the end of your rope. That's normal in suffering. Coming to the end of ourselves is not a bad thing because it fills us up with more of God. I love what what Eugene Peterson says in the message in Matthew chapter five, where he says, when you come to the end of your rope, there's more room for God in his rule. That's right. It's for God in his rule. Remember, still that openness, even in the midst of all of that relinquishment. So consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, growing weary and losing heart is the opposite of persevering. Persevering is staying in the midst of all of that challenge, even when it's difficult. Is Jesus the key interpretive principle of your life? Is Jesus the key interpretive principle of your life? When he is, he will give you the power to endure. Stay in the game. I've got a picture up here of a beautiful place, a place that I'm from, called Carpinteria. It's a little beach town south of Santa Barbara. Um, this is a picture of Carpinteria High School's track. It's so beautiful there because you've got the beach on one side and you've got the Santa Ynez Mountains right on the other side. It's just this beautiful valley, great views. It's just a wonderful place. and. <laughs> I uh, made the mistake of um, saying yes to a friend's invitation to run track and field when I was in high school. I say mistake because I grew up where running was a punishment in most of what you did, right? Play football, you're in trouble, you run. You're in in basketball, you're in trouble, what does the coach do? makes you run. So the whole concept that you people would actually run on purpose was beyond me, number one. And then I learned that there's actually races where they put something in the way called hurdles, which makes it even harder. (laughs) doesn't make any sense to me. So here we are, it's my freshman year, and, and uh, oh, you'll like this too. My coach, our coach at the time, the distance coach, his name was Coach Payne. <laughs> I thought that was funny too. Yeah, perfect name for a coach, not joking on that one. And so Coach Payne, so he had us running. He loved repeats. And so he did things called repeat pyramids, and we did, one day we did this thing called the repeat 400s. And repeat 400s was just running lap after lap, repeating them, one after another, after another, after another. Do one, three minute break. Do another one, three minute break. Five, six, seven. After eight 400s, where you're having to go within a certain time, I'm exhausted. I'm running with my friend who invited me to to run with him. Little did I know at that time that he would be the fastest miler in the United States our senior year. He ran a 406 mile in high school. Unbelievable athlete. I I finally resigned myself to the fact that God loves some people more than others. And once once that happened, I was good. But he would work out and he wouldn't seem tired and I felt like, you know, throwing up. But after the eighth 400, uh, down like this to Coach Payne, I said, Coach Payne, I can't wait till I can break the the minute, 60 seconds in the the 400. You know, I'm looking forward to that. Um, And he looked at me and he said, get back on the track. And I'm like, oh no, not right now. <laughs> I've just run eight of these things. I don't want to run another one. Oh, stupid big mouth. <laughs> Put your foot in your mouth, Greg, again. He said, just, just stay with Coley. That's my friend. And I'll never forget it. You guys might remember back in the 80s, this would have been spring of 87. Yes, I'm dating myself. And I don't mean going on a date, I mean I'm old. And so yeah, he he he, he was wearing a t-shirt that was UNLV. Running Rebels, UCSD, Gaucho Basketball. This is when Jerry Tarkanian was the coach of the Running Rebel basketball team and they went to the Final Four for several years in the 80s. I I will never, I can see the t-shirt right now. Boy, there it is, and and it's red and it's gold. Unbelievable, and so all I did, all I did was focus on that t-shirt. If I stay close to this t-shirt, that's my job. I'm just gonna stay close. I didn't think about the pain. I didn't think about the speed. I didn't think about the dirt. I didn't think about the fear. I didn't think about the fatigue. I didn't think about anything except for staying in close proximity to that T-shirt. And then finally, we came around and we ran a 56. And I was breathing hard and my friend wasn't, but that's okay. Next slide. Little did I know that my wife, who I was gonna marry later, was already running three seconds faster than that at that time, oh well. And then here I am running distances later in the mile and the two mile and I won I did win at my 10-year high school reunion the one who looked most different than when he was in high school. So that, <laughs> that's true. That's true. But when I ran distance in track and field, they used to call it the deadly double, the mile and the two-mile, the 1600 and the 3200. And when you, if you ever talk to a miler about the, the third lap, first of all, try to have a conversation with a miler on the third lap. Good luck. They're not going to talk to you. Is they're persevering, they're suffering, they're staying, but it hurts so much that you wonder if you're going to be able to make it to that last lap. I learned a lot in track and field that it's about staying in the game. It's about finishing the race. It's about trusting <laughs> Coach Payne <laughs> that he knows better than I do how to do that. And so this is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. What I want to do now is transition to the passage in Romans. Again, Romans chapter 5, Paul has incredible things to say, and we're going to look at that, but of course, preceded by Romans chapter 4. And I want to read something to you that I I saw this week in preparation for this message. Um, In Romans chapter 4, Paul is talking about Abraham in particular. Um, Abraham's faithfulness All of chapter 5 in the first part there Is on the premise of Abraham's faithfulness And it was credited to Abraham's righteousness That he trusted God When all things seemed impossible Listen to what um, uh, Eugene Peterson Translates this last part of Romans 4 He says Abraham didn't focus On his own impotence And say it's hopeless This hundred year old body could never father a child nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. That's why it is said Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But it's not just Abraham, it's also us, The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe. Embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life when the conditions were equally hopeless. The sacrifice Jesus made us fit for God, set us right with God. I love the way he uses language here. He didn't focus on his own powerlessness. He didn't just think about and survey Sarah's decades of infertility, no. He didn't even tiptoe around the promises of God, but plunged into the promises. Literally the point of embracing and believing. That's how Paul sets up the passage we're gonna look at next here, Romans five. So let's look at that. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, think trust, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith and into this grace, In which we now stand And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings Because we know that suffering produces perseverance Perseverance, character, and character, hope Oh my goodness, this could be a whole sermon in itself And we don't have time for everything Just look at what Paul says Is that we're standing in grace Okay, let's not forget that Grace is the kindness of God that is ahead of you There is nothing you can do to earn it, but yet there's nothing you can do to lose it. Do you hear that? It is literally a freely offered gift in which we stand. That is the place in which we live. So when suffering comes, we don't think about, oh, well, it's because I sinned this, that, or the other. We try to make sense of all these pieces. Why God, why me, why us, why this? None of those things are relevant when we stand in grace. When we stand in grace, we realize not only do we have God, but he's not on the other side of this wall. He's on the same side with us. He lives within us, and that is where we stand. We are rooted and established in his love and in that place. So then there's this domino effect, right? Doesn't this sound wonderful? Oh, great. So we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Oh, boy. I do want to notice it says rejoice in our sufferings, not rejoice for them. We don't have to rejoice for them. If somebody is suffering, please do not come up to them and says, well, it just must be for your good. That might be true. God might will something good in somebody's suffering, but that's not our message. Our message is to walk in solidarity with someone else in their suffering and to say, how are you experiencing that? I'd like to come alongside you. I'd like to, as much as I can, carry this burden with you. You see, suffering produces the perseverance. And the perseverance, remember, is staying in the game. And then perseverance, character, oh, yippee, character building. Nobody signs up for that. <laughs> but later in scripture, it says, listen, even though like your, your faith refined by fire will be proved what? Genuine. It's, what, it's for some reason in God's wisdom, he has taken the worst and he uses it to be able to create in us an integrity, an integration, an authenticity, a genuineness, a pureness, the real thing. It establishes it in our hearts. It actually carves out a space, suffering carves out a space where we're even able to welcome others in to places where what we used to think and hold true for life is no longer there because it's been purified. Perseverance, character, that true deep, and then what? Character, hope. Hope. Character is that deep place of being tested, right? Remember Jesus in Mark chapter four, or Matthew chapter four, it says he's sent by the spirit into the desert, right? To be what? Tested. He's sent into the desert to be tested. And there are three tests. He doesn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. I love how it says he was hungry. Mm -hmm. he was hungry. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure he was. But the first temptation is, look, if you're the son of God, change these stones to bread. Jesus resists and says, I'm not gonna take things into my own hands. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you see how that's coming into this story of perseverance? We don't live on bread alone. We do live on bread, but we don't live on bread alone. We live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Abraham remembered that. Joshua remembered that. Moses has remembered that. They remember it perfectly? No. Jesus, even in this moment, remembers the word of God and gives it back to evil as it sows lies. Then his next one, his next temptation is to throw himself down from the highest point, which is the temple. So everybody can see that he's the son of God. And he says, no, I'm gonna reject that. I don't need popularity. I'm not gonna test God. He says, actually, you know, the word says, you're right. I could, you know, he, evil misquotes Psalms. And then he comes back and says, yeah, but you shall not test God. You will not put God to the test. Then the third is he gets to see the whole kingdom And evil says, look at all of it's yours if you bow down to me. And then Jesus says, "Um, we are to worship God and him alone away from me, right? Here's what I want us to see. Suffering is like a test, but don't think it like a test. Hey, are you in, are you good, do you get an A? It's not like that. It's a purification, it's a resistance, and it's our greatest opportunity to remain and to persevere. And not only do we have an example, but we have someone who will empower us by the Holy Spirit to do it. I think I have a a picture of a bucket up here. It's a leaky bucket. And it's leaky because when we focus on trying to find life in other things, it's like creating holes in our capacity just to hold that that, that love of God, that, that power of the Spirit. It just leaks out of us. And we find ourselves getting drained and drained and drained. As we, focus upon, as we focus upon God and his love, as we focus upon his promises and we seek to persevere, those holes start getting plugged up and we get filled more and more with the spirit that Paul is writing about here in Romans. And so that's why he says in verse five, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who he's given us. That's like this next picture where the, the love of the Holy Spirit is being poured into the heart and the heart is literally carved out to create space for that to be contained. Isn't that a little twist? Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope. Okay, I get it, all right, that sounds really hard. But hope doesn't disappoint us, why? Because God's poured out his love into our hearts that's the thing that sustains us to stay. Running and thinking about, oh, Coach Payne is with me. He's not leaving. He's there, he's with me, I'm not alone. Maybe that's a side note, friends. If you are suffering, please don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. We have to have each other. Some of us are suffering deeply in this room today. (laughs) Don't carry that burden alone. Invite others in the body of Christ to come alongside you and with you. But the Holy Spirit pours his love into our hearts. What does the Holy Spirit do? He reminds us of everything Jesus has said. In John 14, right before Jesus was talking about remaining in him, he says to his disciples, it's good that I leave. Why? Because I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. And what's he gonna do? He's gonna remind you of everything I've told you. That's his job. You just keep opening yourself up to the Spirit. Number two, the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Three chapters later in Romans eight, Paul says, look, living in the flesh is trying to do it on your own. Living in the spirit is being open to the fact that God by his spirit says, you're my child. I love you. You're my adopted child. We cry out all the father, which is this Aramaic for daddy, right? That deep, intimate knowing that even that eternal knowing that great closeness of God can be known in suffering. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit gives us power to know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. Friends, we know in relationships, love is not a concept, it's an experiential reality. Part of the battle is for us to experience the love of God. And part of the way we do that is to be open with one another about our weaknesses and vulnerabilities, to let him embrace us as we seek to embrace him. So I have the privilege of working with graduate students at UCSD and um, Little did I know as I was preparing this message, God was going to plop down a story right in this week uh, Of perseverance um, Not for me and not in my life, but in a friend's life I invited a couple to come to our graduate group on Thursday night to talk about the integration of faith and work And so uh, this couple came, the husband is, has a PhD in pharmacology And um, is passionate about integrating his faith in his work. And so he came and talked to the students, told his, shared his testimony and his story. Um, the family is just wonderful. Uh, she is, the wife is a uh, Japanese American. Um, they have lived as tent maker missionaries in Japan uh, for years. They have two high school kids. Um, the wife is, was on staff at InterVarsity quite some time ago. Well, anyway, it, it comes out later in, in the evening as we're having a discussion. <clears throat> I knew that the wife was suffering, has been suffering from some strokes. She's about my age, in mid mid 40s, young, but she's been suffering from some strokes. And so she walks with a walker and has tremors, you know, and, and things like this. And um, it turned out that just just recently, just in the previous weeks, um, she's been diagnosed with a terrible, uh, genetically inherited rare disease that's uh, called Catacil. And as I understand it in my, non-medical background is that the um, (laughs) blood vessels in the brain start deteriorating. And so that's why she's been having these these strokes and it's not good, it gets worse. She's probably gonna have more, uh, more frequently and more intensity and for her to even live to 60 would be a miracle. And I tell you that story because in the midst of this suffering, she was so full of joy and so full of hope, and so full of witness, and so full of gladness, and so full of presence that the students were just really ministered to and blessed to hear her persevering spirit because God has poured out his love into her heart. You see, we're never guaranteed, we're never guaranteed in any way, shape, or form the absence of suffering. In fact, it's pretty much promised you will have trouble in this world, but take heart because I, have overcome this world. The Heidelberg Catechism said, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. The last part of this passage today says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Remember, you're surrounded by an incredible cloud of witnesses. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. Look away from everything else that would grab your attention and fix your attention on Jesus. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Lord, we thank you that we thank you, that you have transformed even suffering, to give us strength to stay the course, to give us strength to persevere, because nothing can separate us from your love. And so we pray, Lord, that you will help us to not only be people of course who suffer from, but learn to suffer with and embrace you as the one who has suffered for us. Amen.
0: message and great things to think about for us as we process and, and as we process we're going to continue our worship uh, by transitioning to a time of uh, offering and this is for those who call LJCC their home if you are a guest please feel no obligation to give this is a chance for the body of Christ to just respond out of gratitude for God and who he is and if you're a guest just put that prayer request or connection card in there we'd love to know that you're here and with us otherwise, as come forward. Amen.
3: you no. To stay my lips shall still repeat. church, you, you say.
2: by worshiping him in spirit and truth, no matter what life might bring, recognizing that his power is not only made complete in our weakness, but he actually helps us to rejoice in the midst of our sufferings in his incredible goodness.